But the reason I mention it to you is I want to show you how incredible the Lord is. Uh, you know, He is the Word. And when He gives you a Word, He gives you Himself. Uh, the word word means seed, and the word word means image, and the word image has a threefold meaning. And I think I spoke about that previously here. It seems like I spoke about it. Um, but I want to say to all of you that when God gives you a word, do, do not underestimate it. Uh, if um, I don't say live a perfect life. I just say bring yourself in alignment with God's word, and, and God's word will work for you. When you go to Exodus chapter 1, you will read the story there how the king of, of um, Egypt spoke, the king of Egypt spoke to the midwife, Hebrew midwives in verse 50. Now watch this, it's an Egypt king that speaks to Hebrew woman. So the first thing you need to find there is it's, it's not in alignment. The world doesn't speak to the church. So he said to the Hebrew midwives, of whom the name of the one was Sipra, and the name of the other was Piah, and he said, When you do the duties of a midwife or the Hebrew woman and see them on the birth stool, if it is a son, then you shall kill him. But if it's a daughter, then you shall, she shall be alive. So I want to talk to you about, uh, I almost don't even know what to call this, the protection of God over your life. The protection of God over your life. So here he says to the midwife woman, he says, when you see a Hebrew boy, kill him. Now, the reason he, made, he wanted to kill the Hebrew, woman, uh, Hebrew boys is because he realized as an Egyptian, as the king, as the enemy, sensed in his spirit that God's going to raise up a Hebrew boy and God's going to invest his plan in a Hebrew man. And I want you to know that... Um, we all carry a piece of God's plan where we live. I don't live here, so God will not put anything in my spirit for this area. He will give me a word to you, but God will speak through me into the word that you have for this area because you live here. Um, I always tell the people, my mandate is not to save Pittsburgh. I don't live here. My mandate is to speak to the Pittsburgh people. who God will never... God will speak more to you about your region than what he will speak to me about your region. So, so God sp spoke this word, or he said, kill all the Hebrew uh, uh, boys because he knew that uh, he's going to kill God's plan. It's amazing that the world picked up in the spiritual realm that God's going to bring a boy to the forefront that he's going to use. And we need to be that alert today even that God will bring his plan to the forefront no matter what the enemy is trying to do. So then, um, but the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the male, church, male ch children alive. Now, the, the word son means ministry, and the word son means carrier of future generations. And we all know the Old Testament, the greatest honor was to have a son. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, So why have you done this thing and saved the male children? But the midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are lively, and they give birth before the midwives come to them. <laughs> what a great excuse. <laughs> what they're actually saying to the king is, uh, the Hebrews, we are just different than you guys. We are quick. When it's time to give birth, we do it quickly. So, therefore, God dealt with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew very mightily. And so it was, because the midwives feared God, that, the, that, that he, God, provided households for them. So, there you see that when you protect the plan of God, you open yourself up for godly protection. Because the Bible clearly says that God protected them because they protected and, and I, I always say this, you know, if I take care of God's kingdom and God's work as much as I can, he's going to take care of me. Um, and, and that's the same for you. Uh, God will not leave you undone if you are uh, somebody that, that cares for his kingdom. So Pharaoh commanded all these people, saying, Every son who is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall keep alive. Now, verse chapter 2 so in chapter 2, we're now going to see how Moses, because Moses was born 
thank God for the midwives. And I always also want to say to you, be somebody that protect the plan of God, that protect the body of Christ, that protect the local church. Doesn't matter what you, but just be a protector of the things of God. Um, you know, the fact that I'm here on a Friday night, I travel a lot, and um, I don't want to see a hotel room, but don't take me for a golf tournament when I'm busy with meetings. I will not do it either. <laughs> so um, I can work for Marriott. I can work for Hampton Inn. I can work for Holiday Inn Express. I can do all the front desk. I know the whole story. But you know what? God will reward me for that because uh, it's, it's for the kingdom of God. So here in chapter 2, we're going to see how Moses slipped through because Moses was one of those boys that got, that got, that got through and because of the midwife woman. And I call, I call Moses a slip through for a breakthrough. So here it says, And a man of the house of Levi went and took his wife, daughter of Levi, and the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she could not hide him for three months, but when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, doubted it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. So here we have Moses as an imprint He's now in a little, um, uh, he's now in a little, what you call it, a little uh, ark, uh, and uh, doubted it with asphalt and pitch. Now, the pitch that was around this little ark had a bad smell, very bad smell. And uh, sometimes God will wrap his greatest plans in bad smell. Sometimes uh, when you go through a season of bad smell, you may think you're doomed. You're not doomed. Sometimes bad circumstances, difficulties, uh, is a hiding place for God's next revelation. And, um, and his sister stood far off, far off to know what, what's going to happen to him. So now somebody's watching this to see how will God um, take care of this. Now, number one, here we have God's plan in the river. The river speaks of God's flow. And uh, then the daughter of Pharaoh came. Now, that's the very last person you want to come to the river now. Because Pharaoh was the one who made the law kill the Hebrew boys. Now, guess what? The devils, the demons always show up at the wrong time. So here comes Pharaoh's daughter uh, to take a bath. And her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark amongst the reeds, she sent her maid to get it, and when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. And so she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrew children. So Pharaoh's daughter knew immediately what was going on. She realized my dad made a law, killed the Hebrew boys. Here, immediately she said, this is a Hebrew child. Now, you and I know that Moses had no protection. He could not defend himself. But, um, and the Bible says, and she identified him. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and uh, call a nurse for you? Uh, from the Hebrew woman, that she, she may nurse a child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. Now, the, the Dutch Bible says, she said, yes. Now, what, now listen to this. Number one, first she identified him as a Hebrew boy. But before she identified him, she already fell in love with the child. Because she saw the child, behold, the baby wept, so she had compassion. So she first had compassion, and then she identified him. Because the Bible says she had compassion, and she said, this is a Hebrew boy. So now... The world has compassion for God's plan, not knowing what they are setting themselves up for. It's powerful. God's plan, when it starts in your life, doesn't matter how, how insignificant it may look. You will be surprised how many times God has protected you from dangerous situations that you don't even know of. Come on. So, um, so uh, then the sister said, shall I go and call you a nurse? So now somebody made a suggestion, shall I call you a nurse from the Hebrew woman? That's another setup. 
She doesn't say, shall I go and call you a nurse? She already knew she's got compassion for the child, so I can just as well call a Hebrew woman and not an Egyptian woman. And uh, so they called a Hebrew woman, and Pharaoh's daughter said yes. So she gave God's plan a yes. I know churches that will not even give God's plan a yes. But here we have an Egyptian that gives God's plan a yes. And, um, and Pharaoh's daughter said to her yes, and, and uh, Pharaoh's daughter said yes, and a maiden went and called the child's mother. So now they call the mother of Moses. I want to make a statement here. If that mother hanged on to Moses and tried to protect Moses, they would have discovered the child in her arms and they would have killed that child. And sometimes we need to learn to let go and let God protect what we thought only we can protect. Sometimes we need to let go of God's plan. If, if you cannot protect God's plan, if you cannot finance it, if you cannot, uh, don't hang on to that seed. She sowed the seed. She sowed the child into the river. And she said, God, you gave me the boy. You already made it through the birth stool. If you could protect him through the birth stool, you will definitely protect him for the future. And uh, now she called the mother. Now, guess what? The mother is going to raise Moses for Pharaoh's daughter, but she's going to raise the child according to Hebrew customs. God knows what he's doing. Church, God knows what he's doing. I'm standing in front of you as a miraculous story myself. You say, well, what makes you so miraculous? Well, they refused Bible school. They never wanted me to go to Bible school. I, I, I tried to go to Bible school. They said, no, we are full. There's no room for you. So God spoke to me one day, and God said, your life will be like Joseph. You will go with the detour road, and I will get you. Today, the Lord is giving me the world. I have the two biggest Pentecostal denominations in America endorsing this prayer movement on television. And I don't have credentials with any one of them. And they are my speakers in my conferences. Can you believe it? I have Hebrews and Jews and uh, 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 Arabs and you name it. That it doesn't make me important. If, if, you know, it's, it's, it's just God. When God invests something in you, big or small, he's going to protect it. And um, so now they call the mother and... Uh, now, watch this. She said, and Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away, nurse him for me, and I will give you wages. I like that. Now she's going to pay Moses' mother. I mean, Moses' mother would have raised the child without her money. It's her boy. But now she's going to get paid and question, where did the daughter get her money from? She got the money from her father. So the one who made the law to kill God's plan is now going to finance God's plan. It's getting gooder. That's not proper English, but I have the British, the British uh, government here tonight, and they will probably correct my English. So let's go to chapter 7, and let's see what does it look like when God's plan, come on. You say, well, I need a personal prophecy. I'm giving you one. This is powerful stuff. Um, and um, so now... When we go to chapter 7, we see that Moses and Aaron is involved here, and they are 80 and 83 years old. I think it's 80 and 83. I can't even remember, but something like that. 80 and 83. I mean, that's, I mean, from chapter 2 to chapter 7, there's 80 years, plus minus, gone by. Some of you thought you will never, never make it until you're 20 years old. Guess what? God says... When I protect you from the day of birth, I already see your 83rd birthday. You better believe this or you're not going to get old. So let's see this. 
Now, the first thing God is saying to Moses and Aaron, and I want to use Moses and Aaron as a type of the apostolic prophetic. Because they're going to go into the stronghold of the enemy. You cannot go into the stronghold. The church will be more stronger if they operate from an apostolic prophetic foundation. And uh, so the Lord spoke to Moses, he says, So the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you as God to Pharaoh. Wow, that's a powerful statement. He doesn't say, I have made you like God. I have made you as God. You know, sometimes we have a false humility in the church that I am not really worth much and I am just a fly on the wall and I am just a this or that. No, God said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I will make you as God. God says, I'm going to put you in front of Pharaoh and Pharaoh will see God. I'm going, to, I'm going to make you as God. I'm going to put you in front of Pharaoh with God's authority. Do you know how powerful that is? God sends him in and says, I am not on the earth now, but you're going to stand before Pharaoh, and it's going to be as if I'm standing in front of That's powerful. And I want to say to all of you, God's word in you makes you as God to this world. And, uh, and see, I have made you as God of Pharaoh, and Aaron, your brother, shall be your prophet. So what he's actually saying to Moses, Moses, 80 and 83 years old, Moses was, had an apostolic mantle on him here. He's now in the apostolic, has the prophetic with him, and where is God sending them? Not to the nursing home. Both of them actually belong to the nursing home. But it seems to me God can do more with a nursing home than what he can do with the generation that we are living in. Come on, if God can use this, these two old men, then surely he can use us, Pastor. I'm talking to you tonight. Don't retire too deeply. <laughs> okay. I need to be nice and kind. And... Uh, and Aaron, your brother, shall be your prophet. I love it that, that God loves to work in a combination here. And you shall speak all that I command you. And Aaron, your brother, shall tell Pharaoh to send the children of Israel out of this land. So Moses was actually more standing there. And Aaron was the one who, who voiced to Pharaoh. Can you see what, what, how the father authority works? You can have a father in the room and he doesn't say a lot to say a lot. Just his, just his presence there. Amen. And I think Pastor Craig is going to use that now to say to the brothers, yeah, I told you God's going to send a confirmation that I need to be quiet and you need to treat me with great respect or something to that effect. He would probably use that scripture for his own benefit. And I give him permission to do it. And... Uh, so you shall speak in all that I command you, you uh, and your brother shall tell Pharaoh to send the children of Israel out of the land. Now watch this. So God wants to set Israel free. But God, in chapter 2 already, started to work the plan to ultimately bring a nation into freedom. And I, I'm just amazed at how God, how how. How laser sharp God is in his planning. No, church, nothing happens by accident. Uh, when I look at what's happening in the upper room, the, just the last two years, and how many nations is involved, and what's happening, and, 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 and then, then things start to happen, and the prophecies that I received myself, and then I realized, Lord, you, you spoke these things in, in 1981 and 82. We just did not hear it the way we see it today. But now that I see the manifestation, now I can say, oh, yeah, it was already there in the womb of that word in 1981. Then I did not know what it looked like. Now I have a better understanding of what it looked like. Uh, when you look at Moses here, you can now see why God so sovereignly protected him in chapter 2. Because God already saw chapter 7 when he protected Moses in chapter 2. And I want to say to all of you, we all have a chapter 1 where God protects us and we don't even know it. We all have a chapter 2 
where we land up in the wrong hands and still God take care of us. Where things go wrong, but it actually goes wrong to go right. And it actually goes wrong to go right so that God can come and jump. God is a Jew, you know, and he knows how to generate the money. So he had to let him go to the river so that he can get a hold of the money of Pharaoh to finance his own plan. God knows how to get the money of this world to finance the church. I need a quarter of a million dollars. I want to bring 100 nations into America in 2021. Where am I going to get the money? If you don't give it to me, then the Lord must wake up some kind of Pharaoh to pay the bill. Thank you for your excitement. It's really overwhelming on a Friday night. Amen. Thank you. So, um, and uh, you shall tell Pharaoh that he will send him out, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and I will multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. So now God is saying to these two old men, I will multiply my signs. Now you must understand that when God sent them to, to uh, Pharaoh, he sent them to a land of the magic. They had magicians, they had magic books, and they love signs. They love the magic. But God says to Moses, I will multiply my signs. See, that's where the difference comes in. The world does have signs, but they cannot multiply what they have. Because we serve the God of multiplication. Come on. One of, the re one of the three things that God said to Adam and Eve is he said to them, multiply. Have dominion and multiply. Amen? That's why there's so many babies in this church. That the pastor's wife cannot even be here in the service tonight. She's taking care of all the children. Now, when, when God said, I will multiply, God realized, I know they have signs, but they cannot multiply their signs, and that's where I will outshine them all. How many of you know that if you vote for abortion, you actually vote against God? Because one of the three things that God said to Adam and Eve is multiply. He did not say to Adam and Steve multiply because they cannot multiply. So if God is so strong about multiplication in, 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 in when he spoke to Adam and Eve, he's very strong on multiplication. Multiplication, one of the three things you highlight. Come on. Now don't go home tonight and have more babies. Just wait. Let that one grow up a little bit. Just use your common sense as well. I mean, I, I, I just want to give some, uh, some, some advice here, you know. <laughs> that older lady there in the back, she cannot believe I just told them. I mean, I'm a father. I need to help the children not to have children when they are still children too quickly. I mean, am I right, Pastor? You're afraid to say amen on that one? Uh, yeah, I'm becoming familiar now with this house, so I'm, get, I'm showing another side of who I am. <laughs> okay, listen to this. If you vote, if you vote for abortion, you actually vote against one of the three things that God said to Adam and Eve. You, go di you vote directly against God. Because God said in Genesis 1.26, uh, he said, uh, let us make man in our image. That means that every child that's born reminds the devil of what God looks like. If there's one thing that reminds a devil of what God looks like, it's a human face. And that's why when you vote for abortion, you actually vote for another face to be wiped off the earth so that the devil cannot be reminded of who God is and what he looks like. Horrible when you think about that. Can you believe it? Can you see how direct we are against the Bible? And, and I don't want to be against this book. May God help me. I don't want to, I never want to turn against this book because this is the word of God. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and I will multiply my sons, my wonders in the land of Egypt, but Pharaoh will not heed you so that I may lay my hand on Egypt and bring my armies and my people and the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt by great judgments and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. You see, God, God, God says I have one purpose. The world will know that I am the Lord. Not Buddha, not Muhammad, I am the Lord. 
And when I stretch out my hand on Egypt and bring out all the children of Israel from among them, God knows how to get his people out. God knows how to take care of America. God knows. God will take care of America. Even if a war comes, God will take care of this nation. God knows what he's doing. And Moses and Aaron did so just as the Lord commanded them. They did so. And Moses was 80 years old and Aaron was 83 years old. I don't like to read that scripture because that, that tells me that I cannot now retire. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When Pharaoh speaks to you, show a miracle for yourself. Then you shall say to Aaron, Take your rod and cast it before Pharaoh, and let it become a serpent. So now, here we comes, and the Bible now talks about the rod. Because the two old men walked to, the, to Pharaoh, but they had a rod with them. Now the rod speaks of the cross. So they're preaching the gospel. The apostolic prophetic, having the cross in the hand. Never get rid of the cross message. There's a, there's a tendency today to preach a gospel without a cross. There is no gospel without that cross. That cross is the gospel. Come on. And um, so they have this rod with them. And... Uh, and the, the Lord said, cast it before Pharaoh and let it become a serpent. Wow. What God is saying is, when the apostolic prophetic goes in, throw down that rod and let it become a serpent. So what God is saying is, that the moment you throw it on the floor, it's going to become a snake. And when they, th well, let me rather read it for you. Take the rod, let it become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh, and they did so just as the Lord commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his serpents, and he became a serpent. But Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers and the magicians of Egypt. You see, the devil doesn't, he never gets the message the first time. He will always try and come against what God's doing. And uh, they also did so, and they did in like manner with their enchantments. For every man threw down his rod, and they became serpents. So now they are evil, uh, equal. You see, the devil always wants to come and counter what God is doing in your life, and then he will always, there will always be a moment that he will say to you, okay, we're equal. You thought your God will outshine me, but not really. But there comes times in your life and my life that we think they are equal. They're not. It may feel that way. It may look like it is. But the job is not completed. Because the Bible says there was a snake fight. Now there's a snake fight, and guess what? The serpent of Aaron swallowed all the snakes of the magicians. Now where is these snakes now? It's gone. But there is a, that is a prophetic picture. This whole thing is a prophetic picture. God was actually, when he sent Moses and Aaron to Pharaoh, you must understand Pharaoh had a crown in the form of a snake. Because he represents the snake, because he represents Satan. And God is sending the apostolic prophetic to the world of the snake, and guess what's happening here? Uh, there's a fight now between all the snakes, and, and the rod of, of Aaron swallowed up all the snakes of uh, Pharaoh. And when it was all said and done, Aaron picked up the rod, the snake by its tail, and it became a rod again. That's a prophetic picture of what would have happened on the cross. 2,000 years ago, what did, you, what did God the Father do? He took the rod Jesus and threw him down on the earth. And when he threw him down on the earth, he became sin. Especially when he died on the cross, he went down to hell, and there was a snake fight. And he swallowed up death. He swallowed up sickness. He swallowed up 
all the diseases and all the curses. And on the third day, guess who picked him up? He got picked up by the Holy Spirit on, under the instructions of God the Father, came out of the tomb, and where is the sin now? Where is sickness now? It's all swallowed up. Come on. So when this happened in this chapter, it was a prophetic picture. God was actually saying, there will come a day that my rod, my son, will be thrown down. He will become a sin. He will meet the devil head on in hell. But on the third day, he will be picked up, and the, and the, and, and the enemy will know that. Come, that's why the resurrection of Jesus is, is world-renowned. The birth of Jesus is uh, the Christmas. Is, I mean, there's no other God on the face of the earth that is so prominent uh, in his resurrection and who he is, his birth, and even the birth of Moses here. So, so what am I saying to you? When Jesus was born, you will notice, I think it's in Matthew 1 or Mark 1, where King Herod, when he heard about the birth of Jesus, he was upset. Again, the enemy upset because God birthed something. Let me say God birthed something in this church. God is doing a new thing in this church. The enemy will not be happy. But if it's God birthed and God kissed, it will be God protected. And, um, and the Bible says it swallowed up all their rods. Now, I want you to see this picture. Here comes two old men. They don't have physical strength. But they had spiritual authority. You don't need physical strength when you have spiritual authority. And when they walked away from Pharaoh, what did they walk away with? They walked away with all the devil's magic, and it sits in a dry stick. Come on. That old rugged cross may look like simple thinking or simple preaching. But that cross, come on. One of the translations talk about, and on that cross, one day when I come back, I'll tell you more about the Roman, the Roman days and how a Roman general, when he won the war, how he got a victory, and I will show you a lot of scriptures. It's mind-blowing. It's very powerful. But, and, and, but, but in those scriptures, the Bible talk about, and on that cross, not just any kind of cross, on, and on that cross, the cross that we remember, the things that happen there is phenomenal. I want everybody to say, everything is wrapped up in that cross. Come on, church. When Jesus got out of the tomb, it was all done. It was all completed. And I want to say to you tonight that when God stirs something in your life, even if it's small, please don't see every stirring of the Lord uh, like a Moses kind of thing that's going to happen. I don't know why I'm so thirsty. Probably something that you gave me today, Pastor. What I want to show you tonight is this. That we should, and, and you are a prophetic people. You're, it's different. You, you're an independent church. You're more uh, alert of the prophetic and and I want you to, and I stand before you as somebody, my whole life is built on the prophetic. I mean, everything that was prophesied to me came to pass, and it's still exploding in front of my eyes, and I'm 67. It seems to me that when God gets involved in your birth, you're going to go into your 80s and still uh, cause a lot of trouble. I remember when I was born, my mother told me this. I, was, I went to her when I was 18, and I said, the Lord called me. She said, yes, I knew the Lord called you. I never told you. I said, why not? She said, I want you to hear God's voice yourself. But my story sounds like this. When I was born, I was born at the age of, I was born on seven months, two months early. My lungs fell flat. Um, uh, and when I was five years old, the doctors gave me six months to live because I had asthma, lungs fell flat, very bad health. Um, and because of my lung problem, the doctor said to my mother that, um, He's going to go blind. I had six months. They said, if I live six months, I will be completely blind because it affected my eyes. And my mother was, uh, she didn't prophesy from pulpits, but she was uh, a home prophetess. She prophesied over the children and prophesied in her prayers. Uh, 
And um, I remember my dad sometimes said, yeah, your mom prophesied again last night. I said, what did she prophesy? He said, she prophesied over Renee, which is my youngest sister. This was when Renee was already in her 20s. So in our home, we knew that when my mother prophesied, my dad normally listened to it. So um, when I was born sick, uh, the doctors called my mother in and my father, and they said, this boy's going to die. He's not going to make it. We give him six months, and, and then uh, if he lives six months, he will be blind. And my mother said to the doctor, well, doc, it is a fact that he's got asthma. It's a fact that he was born premature. It's a fact that his lungs fell flat. It's a fact. It's all facts. It's a fact that he's going blind. I can see he's not looking good. But the truth is, God said, when I was pregnant with him, he will go to the nations one day and preach the gospel. That's what she told the doctor. I went to school one year later because of my health. Here I am, 67. I don't have skewy eyes anymore. I don't have a lung problem anymore. I'm 67. I'm bankrupting Social Security already. And uh, I just got an increase two weeks ago. Can you believe it? I got an increase, $104. I don't know why. They made a mistake with my social. Well, uh, but what am I saying to you? Um, when, when God protects you at your birth, or when there was something in your life where you really know God protected you, there's a greater plan in the hiding. It's, it's a greater plan. I can tell you now. Um, you know, people probably get tired of me talking about prophetic promises and how it came to pass. But that's, what, that's the one thing about God that impressed me the most. Is how, because I've seen him. I've seen how he spoke words. I was just in a church last week where... Um, I prophesied to a Baptist lady, and they called me on Wednesday morning. They said, you will not believe what happened since you prophesied over her this week. It happened. Amazing things. So, so God knows what he's doing. And when God interfered in your life, um, I want you to know, uh, never give up on God. Uh, in the last two years, I was just sitting there tonight, and I made the, did the budget. Last year, when we had the upper room, we had to bring television cameras in. We have done programming for 26 weeks on national television. And uh, last year till now, we have spent $202,000 on global speakers, uh, television cameras, recordings, a two-hour documentary that will go on God TV Daystar to get the right kind of cameras in, not just any kind of camera. And I was doing the numbers. I said, oh, God, I wish I could have that money. Wow, $202,000 went through our ministry. Not, it's not my money. It's people that, like yourself that helped us. Uh, how did this happen? It was prophesied. I remember I, remember I came to America. I just want to show you how God works. Um, it was in 2000. It was in 1982, I'm not sure. Jan Painter. Anybody that know Jan Painter? She's now in her 70s. She's powerful. She, don't tell her, but she could not preach to save the world, but man, she can prophesy. And she prophesied to me. She says, your name will become synonymous with the plane and, and, and all that stuff. So I came into America, and I flew about 100, 120 flights a year. So I want to find out where's Jan Painter. Well, she's probably now going to her 80s. And uh, I found her in 2006. I came here in 2001. I found her in 2006, went to a church in Kentucky. I said, Jan, I'm here to thank you. You've prophesied over me in 82, 83. I said, everything has just exploded and come to pass. I'm flying. I'm a Delta, uh, I'm a Delta Diamond member. Um, I'm a million miler, almost two million. Um, I said, I'm all of the above. I check all the boxes because you prophesied to me. Uh, and, and I said, thank you. I just want to honor you. And I preached for her in her church. And after the meeting, she grabbed the microphone. And she started to prophesy again. I got tired. I actually felt, Lord, can I just shut her down? Because I'm still running because of the word from 82. And here she comes and she blasts a lot of things over me. Well, I see lines and I see television cameras and I see microphones and people. I said, oh, come on. I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want it. Last year it happened. It happened last year. 
Last year, June, we were on the island of Aruba. I got a word from a woman in France. She said, you're in the middle of the greatest transition of your ministry. It's going to go national, international. Six months later, they said, you must answer the question. Do you want the cameras to come in? Yes or no? If you say yes, you say yes for more, $30,000 more, because the church where we have the conference, their cameras is not on standard. What do I do? Do I say no? I said, yes. I had no idea where the money's going to come from. But anyway, here we are a year later. All the programming is done, television, where the greatest awakenings in America, not revivals, where the great awakenings broke out in America, the Fulton Street revival, uh, a, a revival that broke out on Wall Street and, and other places. So it's now all on television. So what am I saying to you? Never underestimate when you start the journey in the river. When you're drifting around by grace, Moses was just drifting around in an ark that smells bad. Sometimes it's the bad smell in your life that protects you. Come on. I had bad smell in my ministry. I mean, come on, don't you think everything was just honky-dory? Uh, but I stand here before you at the age of 67, and I want to just encourage you tonight. I just want to say to you, it may start in a river. And you may start under threat that you don't I mean, Moses did not know there's a law against him to be alive. But I don't care what the law says. If the law says I should not live, but God ordained my birth, guess what, Pharaoh, snake? You cannot kill me. In fact, snake, God's going to use me to eat up all your snakes. Just wait, just wait 80 years, devil. Just wait 80 years. When I get 80, watch me. I'm not going to be in a nursing home. I'm going to stand in front of you with a rod. And I'm going to show you what God's power looked like at the age of 80. You should have killed me when I was in the river. You should not have said yes. To, oh, maybe the daughter came to him and said, oh, dad, I found this one in the river. Oh, look at him, dad. Oh, he looks, ah, he will not harm us. Not in a million years, dad. He, oh, no, he will not harm us, dad. I've got compassion for him. I think Pharaoh said, oh, yeah, I don't think, sis. <laughs> yeah, he will not harm us. Bad mistake. It's that little red face of a little boy that turned into an apostle 80 years into the future. And when he turned, come on, when God's finished with you, you're going to change in a formidable person that the enemy will have to admit he made a terrible mistake by allowing you to live. But it's not him allowing you to live. And God, it's God that keeps you alive in spite of what he does. What am I saying? You are destined for something in your future. Never give up on the promptings of the Holy Spirit in your heart. Is that a deal? Come on. Come on. How many of you have a prompting in your spirit? You, you, you believe that you're alive because there's, there's a reason. Church, if, if we don't have a reason to being alive, why do we live? You know, some people become couch potatoes. I've learned that term in America. Is that the right term? Couch potatoes. I don't want to be a couch potato. I want to be somebody. Here I am. I'm 67. If I can bring 100 nations together, the apostles of 100 nations, and something's going to explode. Why would God wait until this age? Because sometimes God will wait until a high age. Because you matured, your character is developed, you've been through a lot of pressure, and when you turn your back on Pharaoh, remember it's two old men that stood before Pharaoh with a rod. And I think when they were all said and done, I think uh, Moses said to Pharaoh, F -f Pharaoh, I don't think he spoke that well because God said to Aaron, I want you to speak. Don't you say anything. Well, if, uh, if, uh, let's go home. You know, and like old people, they turn around like this, you know. They run. Come on. Have you seen old people when they turn around? I've watched them. I said, oh, Lord, I'm on my way there. So, so there they go. And I can just... I can just, I can drama, dramatize this thing. I can just hear that rig, tick, 
tick, tick, that irritating sound of the rod. Come on. Have you ever heard an old man when he walks with a cane? Tick, tick. I can just hear that irritating sound of the rod. That's the irritating sound of the gospel. The irritating sound of the cross message. The irritating sound of the blood message. Come on. Don't preach the blood. Don't preach the cross. People will be offended. No, I know it's the irritating message. But it's that irritating message that has the power. And when Pharaoh watched them, Pharaoh realized... What is the purpose of me carrying a snake on my head when they just ate up all my snakes? Come on. Two old men with authority. And I pray tonight that God will give you authority and that you will not give up on it. Come on, church. You know, I cannot, I cannot teach you things. If I cannot prove it. And I've seen it the last two weeks. I've seen it now in Houston. I had Paul I. He's, uh, he's from Vietnam originally. He was a Buddhist priest. Uh, and he was uh, a witch doctor. A, a Buddhist priest. And he was also a witch doctor. And um, his father was a medical doctor in Vietnam. And, and they brought him in to uh, break up all the rallies of the Christians. And uh, he prayed to 3,200 and something gods, and they could not break up the rallies of the Christians. So he asked the Christians, where is your scriptures? And they showed him a Bible. They said, is that all your God have? He says, my Buddhist scriptures is, is this high. Long story short, could not break it up. Came to the Lord, gave his heart to Jesus. His whole body from here, arms, everything is just snakes and uh, because he was a Buddhist priest. And um, went to prison 13 years for the gospel, came out today. They consider him the father, the apostolic father of Vietnam, Laos, Cambodia. And some of his sons were in Houston. Uh, so what am I saying to you? Devil is not going to hold you back. Devil is not going to hold this church back. And I want every one of you, this is your prophecy. I'm not going to prophesy to you. My name is not Ed Trout. I don't prophesy to everyone that sits on a chair. Uh, I do sometimes, but not all the time. But church, the Lord is using me to prepare people, and I want to prepare you. I want to, I want to throw what God has given me. I want to throw it on you. I want to throw it on you. I want, I want to take the authority that he's given me and I give it to you. God has anointed me to bring leaders together. We have access to about 160 nations. I cannot go to all of them. It's just impossible. Uh, I was just invited to Yonki Cho to be with him. Uh, 80,000 people in a stadium. I would be one of the three guests, um, VIP guests with him, could not go. I would have been with him in 90,000 people in a church on a Sunday, six services. But I will probably go in 2021. Uh, could not go. That was four weeks ago, just before my Houston conference. How does these things happen? Well... When you walk the walk, God is not going to allow you to walk up to Pharaoh and nothing's going to happen. And when Moses and Aaron left Pharaoh, Pharaoh knew what authority looked like. Then he knew that magic books is not a comparison to what that old two men just showed us. And, and, and the reason I say these things, and I'm not here to brag, make God help me, I'm not here to brag. To be honest with you, uh, these things make me tired to travel like this. So I'm not bragging. In fact, it brings incredible responsibility over your shoulders, but I want to say it to you so that you don't think I read a book. No, I'm speaking from my own life. I am a living testimony that when God starts you in the river, he's going to end you standing in front of, of Pharaoh, and you will accomplish what God ordains you to do, to be. And, and I want to say this to every man and woman, because for people to sit here on a Friday night tells me these are the kind of people that will not hear this and waste it. Um, and again, maybe that piece where... Where uh, Pharaoh's daughter said, I will pay your wages. Maybe that's a prophecy that I'm prophesying to myself. Because we need a lot of money if we want to bring all these nations together. I'm still not sure whether I'm going to do it. I'll have to wait on the Lord. 
But how many of you can honestly say tonight that God spoke to you and that your best days are ahead of you? Amen. Father, I pray that this word will not be wasted. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that this great church that's been built over so many years with a strong foundation in, in the lives of so many beautiful people here. I pray, Lord Jesus, that every man and woman sitting here, whether they have gray hair or whether they are young, they will know the rod in their hand is not in vain. God will use every one of them. Father, I thank you that we are the people that God can use to save a nation. Father, I don't care who the politicians are. I don't care what Washington, D.C. look like. I don't care Democrats or Republicans. All I know is if God raised up a Moses and an Aaron, God will show America authority and America will bow her knee in front of the apostolic prophetic voices that God's raising up in this nation. Father, I thank you that we carry authority over all these demonic forces. And we thank you, we serve the God of multiplication, so that when the hour of our greatest testing will come, the God of multiplication will show up, and the enemy will have to admit, I've never seen such power in my whole life. I pray it, Father, in the name of Jesus, and I give you praise. Amen. How many of you believe there comes a day of multiplication in America where we will meet head on head? Come on, when you look at the political world at the moment, uh, and I, don't have, I haven't watched news now for about three, four weeks because it's just the same old story over and over again. But, but the story is this, there's a head-on collision coming in America. But it's in that moment that God is saying, okay, let it come. I'm ready. To show who I am. And in that hour. We will see who the devil really is. A head on collision is going to show us. Who God is. And what Pharaoh could not get accomplished. And may America learn. In this head on collision. That the God of America. Is not asleep. And he will not allow. To allow politicians to dump this nation uh, uh, into something that God has never ordained this nation to be. This nation is called to protect the gospel into the world and to stand with Israel. That's the twofold mandate of this nation. And God is going to use apostolic prophetic voices in that hour, not politicians. He's going to use apostolic prophetic voices in that hour to say, Thus says the Lord. It's now over. The noises that you've made is now over. Let your snakes come forth and let, us, let the fight begin and let us see who is God and who is not God. Thus says the Lord. Amen. Pastor, that's all I have for tonight. Thank you.